There's uh, two 90-year-old ladies by the name of Bertha and Betty, and they've been friends all of their lives. When it became clear that Bertha was dying, Betty visited her every day. One day during one of their visits, Betty said, Bertha, we've loved playing softball all of our lives. We've been playing since high school. Please do me a favor. When you get to heaven, somehow you must let me know if there is softball in heaven. Well, Bertha looked at Betty and said, for sure, if it's possible, I'll let you know. Well, shortly after that, Bertha passed on, and a few nights later, Betty was awakened from a sound sleep by a blinding flash of white light and a voice calling out, Betty, Betty. Betty sits up in bed and says, who's there? The voice said, well, it's me. It's your best friend, Bertha, and I've come back to tell you that I have some good news for you, and I have some bad news for you. Which do you want first? Betty said, Better hit me with the good news first. Bertha said, very well, there is softball in heaven. It's so wonderful. All of our old teammates that died before us are there. And the best thing is, is that we're all young again. It never rains. It never snows. It's just perfect weather for softball. Betty said, that's wonderful. What's the bad news? And Bertha said, You're pitching Tuesday night. (laughs) There you go, your joke of the day. Some of you are saying, boy, the jokes sure are bad around here. Well, if you give more in the offering, the jokes will get better. So there it's on you. (laughs) Well, let's get started. We are in week two of our series called Foolproof based on the book of Proverbs. We started this series. We've had a couple guests. My wife preached last week and then we had Dan Herod with us the week before. So it's been a couple weeks since we've been in here. But if you remember that message in week one, we laid a foundation for this series. And we talked about the two types of voices, the voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. If you missed that message, I encourage you to go online and listen to it when you get some time. I got some tremendous feedback from that message from people telling me how, it, how much it had, it had helped them. So, so make sure that you, you do that. We're, over the next few weeks, we're going to go through several different Proverbs. And I'm going to continually reference back to that so you can see how it all ties together with the voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. We learned that the voice of folly is much louder and more attractive than the voice of wisdom. And that's why so many people follow the voice of folly. But they soon find out that voice leads to destruction. The voice of wisdom, on the other hand, leads to peace, as we see in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 33. However, there's a price that you pay for following the voice of wisdom. We'll talk about that a little bit today. You have to surrender something when you follow the voice of wisdom. I showed you this picture if you remember this. It's a little girl with the little bear who says, I love it, God, I don't want to give it up. And behind God's back, he's got this huge teddy bear that he wants to give you. It's it's the illustration of God has something better for you if you will just surrender what is in your hand. So following wisdom will cost you something. With that being said, we're going to read one verse to get started, verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 9. I wanted to start with this particular proverb 
because this proverb, Proverbs 10 and verse 9, this is my life verse specifically. And so this is a verse that is very, very important to me. What that means is, is I have built the foundation of my life and core values on this verse. This one verse, it talks about integrity. Now, I've talked about a little bit about this before. Uh, several years ago, I, I discussed what we're, a basis of what we're going to be discussing today. So if you've been here a while, some of this will kind of ring a bell. But some, I know many of you have never heard this. But hell, having this as a foundation in my life helps me make good life decisions. It helps me follow the voice of wisdom better. It doesn't mean I always get it right. Because I deal with temptations, I deal with issues just like everyone else. I'm not superhuman, I'm, I'm human just like you are. And I have the voice of folly shouting loudly at me as well. But this helps me in my decision making because when I am faced with a difficult decision, I know which path to take by simply asking myself a question. The question I ask myself is, will this compromise my integrity. And if you get nothing else out of this message, just asking yourself that question can save you a lot of heartache. Will this compromise my integrity? Because integrity is what I want to be remembered for. When I lay on my deathbed, this is my life's goal. I want to be able to look my wife in the eyes and tell her I have never wavered. I want to tell her that I was always faithful to you. That's my goal. I want to be remembered as a person that goal. I want to be was above reproach when dealing with people. I remember Green Bay and my references were called. I was told by the leadership in the church that that was the number one thing that my references said about me. They referenced my integrity. That's because this is so important to me. Integrity is a choice. It's something I can control. I can lose everything I own tomorrow, but nobody can take my integrity from me. I give that away. If you compromise your integrity, it's because you made the choice to give it away. For instance, let me give you an example. When we pastored in Iowa, I owned my first uh, taekwondo martial arts school when we were there. About a year in, this young married lady joins class, and she's a bit flirtatious. Kyla had a bad feeling about her, but I kind of just brushed it off. She told me to keep my distance. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm kind of naive when it comes to this stuff, and I, and I didn't think much about it. I'm just thinking, that's just her personality, you know, don't overreact, da-da-da-da-da. Well, one day in class, she asked me about private lessons, which I did offer students if they needed a little extra help, but they were always done in the church, and they were always done during office hours, so several people were present. I told her that it won't be a problem. What day would work best for you to come into the church? And she looked at me, and she said, actually, I was thinking maybe we could do it at my house. True story. Now, at that moment, it was pretty obvious what she was doing. For my decision to her, all I had to do was ask myself that question. Will this compromise my integrity? The answer to that question was yes. It would put me in a spot that would be easy 
to compromise my integrity. So because this is a foundation of my life, it was an easy decision for me. I looked at her and I said, sorry, but I don't do that. It has to be here at the church. She never came back to class. Done. (laughs) Now, it could be that my wife hid the body. I'll never know. But anyway... But the sad thing is, I know there's a lot of people that would have been, oh, Christian people even, that would have been over at her house that afternoon. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt because the voice of folly is so strong. The pull for folly is so strong. So let's read Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, and then dive into this subject of integrity. It says this, people with integrity walk safely but those who followed crooked paths will be exposed i'm calling this message today the fate of the crooked path father for the next few moments i ask that you would give me the mind of christ as i attempt to explain this subject the best i can that best i can god i thank you for your word i thank you god that it wasn't only re- it wasn't only relevant for people living when it was written, but it's relevant for us today, and we can grab a hold of it, and it can change our lives. And so, God, I just, without your anointing today, God, this message will fall flat. It will go nowhere, but God, if you anoint these words, they have the power to change and transform people from the inside. And so, God, that is my prayer today. I I thank you, Lord, that when we leave this place, we are challenged, we are different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been said that a good test of integrity is basically what you do when no one's watching, when no one's watching. Now think about that for a moment and and ask yourself, when you're alone at home and no one is watching, would you consider yourself a person of integrity? For, uh, For instance, if you have the option to steal something, say maybe toilet paper out of the church bathroom... I don't know why that comes up. It just, you know, the, the, things, the things you say under the anointing. <laughs> but if you have a chance to steal something and not get caught, would you steal it? If you knew you could take money from somebody and they would never find out that it was you that took it, would you take it? Would you cheat financially to get ahead at the expense of hurting someone else if you knew you could get away with it? How you answer those questions depends on your integrity. There was a survey done a few years back that asked people if they could break a law and they knew they could get away with it, would they break the law? Surprisingly, a high percentage of people honestly said yes. Believers and non-believers alike, yes. If I could break the law and nobody would know, I would do it. As a matter of fact, in the same survey, the number one reason given as to what keeps people from breaking the law is the fear of being caught. It's the fear of consequence. No thought at all about how it affects the other person. Fear of being caught. CNN Business released this article a few weeks back, or a few years back, I'm sorry. It says, more bankers okay with breaking the law to get ahead. You hear about this kind of stuff all the time. It's in our headlines. I could, have, I could have posted several articles. But this is due to lack of integrity. 
No one is watching, so it will be okay. But watch this. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3. You've got to love the Word of God. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. You see, it might not seem like anyone is watching. It might seem like you're, gonna get, you're not going to get caught. But the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. There is someone watching. Messing around on your phone or your computer when no one else is in the house. There is someone watching. There is nothing hidden from God. And because of that... Because there is nothing hidden from God. Those that choose to follow the crooked path, as we see in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9, will be exposed. Maybe not right away, but eventually, if they continue in their folly, they will be exposed. They will be caught. The crooked path is where the voice of folly is trying to pull you. The voice of wisdom is trying to pull you towards integrity. So today I want to show you the benefits of the voice of following the voice of wisdom and choosing integrity for your life. Because it will cost you, but the benefits of this are outstanding. The reward God has for you far outweighs the cost. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. This is what Peter tells us. He said, For the Scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Now he's referenced in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26 when, when God's speaking and God says you must be holy because I the Lord am holy. I have set you apart from other people to be my very own. The, the Greek word holy comes, or the, the word holy comes from the Greek word hagios, which means, just as it says there in Leviticus, set apart. It implies that something is set apart and therefore it looks different. God is holy. God is completely set apart from the world. When he calls us into a covenant relationship with, with him, he calls us out of the world and to be set apart. Integrity is one of those ways that we can be set apart from the world. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No. And I believe that there's a confusion there. Because we think of God as being sin-free. We think of God as being perfect. So we can assume that because God is holy and God is sin-free and perfect, that to be holy, that must mean we are perfect. He wants us to be perfect, but then we realize perfection is not attainable, so holiness is not attainable, and it leads us to a discouragement within our Christian walk. God doesn't call us to be, to be, to, to be perfect. He calls us to be set apart from the world. He calls us to be holy. He calls us to be different than the world. And the early church understood this and understood it very well. We've kind of gotten away from this. If you do some research on the early church, this is the church of the first century known as the persecuted church. These are going to be the direct disciples of, of the apostles Peter, John, and Paul. You're going to find something very interesting. You know what they said about the non, by, you know what the non-believers said about the believers in that day? They said the way you can tell a believer 
The way you can tell if somebody is following Jesus Christ is by their lifestyle. Not by what they said. They didn't have to tell us that they were a follower of Jesus Christ. They said you could tell by their lifestyle. They said they seemed to live by a separate set of laws. These believers were not only submitted to the laws of the land, but they said they lived by a higher law. In other words, they were above reproach in their dealings with people. They were men and women of integrity. So basically, in the early church, now listen to me, just because something was legal in society, it, did not, it meant that they would not participate if it violated the word of God. The word of God was the higher law that they held to. So they lived by this higher standard, and the unbelievers recognized it. They didn't have to preach it. They lived it. And those not following Christ knew there was something different about these people. The conviction of the early church did not change when culture shifted. You see, this is what I've noticed today, and I know that you'll agree with me, that the people within the church, you've seen this with the laws that have been passed over these last few years. People within the church, when the lines of the culture shift, and now maybe something is legal that wasn't legal before, whatever it might be, the lines of the culture shift. I have watched people within the church shift with the lines. And again, you've seen this over the last few, few years. Things that are clearly classified as sin in the Word of God, and now the church has accepted them as okay because culture has told us that they are okay. So these people base their convictions and their life choices based on what culture says instead of what the Word of God says. And this is where the church has gotten itself into trouble. The thinking is simply this, if it's, if it's legal, then it's okay. I believe setting ourselves apart doesn't mean you look down on others that are participating, and that just it means you choose not to do it yourself. I believe setting ourselves apart is one of the highest callings on our lives, but it's also one of the most difficult things to do. It's difficult to go against culture. Integrity is hard. It'll come at a price. Let me give you an example, and I've told this story before, but it fits so well here. Some of you might remember this. Before, uh, before right out of high school, I worked for a, a window company called uh, Geldwin Windows and Doors, and I started on the floor, and I moved up, and I became what's known as a service rep, service representative, and so what I would do is I would go out to the nine-state area surrounding Iowa. This was in Iowa, so the nine-state area surrounding Iowa, and I would be I would fix windows and I would fix install issues and different things like that when it came to windows. I would typically go in on Monday, load up my truck, um, and head out for the week, returning on Friday afternoon sometimes. Well, sometimes we would have very large jobs. We would have large patio door installs. We would have very large pieces of glass that were several stories high that required scaffolding and things like that. And so it would take more than just one person to do that. So there was many times I would have to go, I would have to take an individual with me, sometimes even uh, two other people, to handle some of these uh, bigger jobs throughout the week. 
And when I would go out with those other guys, what they would like to do at night, because we'd go find a hotel at night, is they would like to go out and find a local bar or a local nightclub or something like that. And they would like to go, they would like to go party at night. And of course, they would always invite me with them, and, and, but I would never go. And because of this, I became known very quickly as the fun hater. Pastor don't want to have any, or not pastor, but Matt don't want to have any fun. I wasn't a pastor at that time. He just wants to, you know, he's just kind of a drag and, and this and that. And so it got to the point where the other reps did not want to travel with me because I was the boring one. And if they went with me by themselves, they were in trouble because then they would have to go to the bar by themselves and that wasn't any fun. And so, and so they, I, they, they started to, you know, they started to talk and, and all this stuff. And so do you see the price? I wasn't very popular. So do you see the price that I'm paying for this decision? Nobody wanted to be with that guy. I was that guy. Well, about a year in, one of the reps had a serious marital problem come up in his life. His wife was actually consider, considering leaving him and getting a divorce. So this was a pretty serious issue. And guess who he comes and talks to? He doesn't want to go out with me on the road, but he's got this serious life issue, and he comes and he talks to me. His wife agreed to talk to me. I had only met her once. But you see, I wasn't like everyone else. I was different. And because of that, even though I was the joke, when the storms of life hit, I was the one that had the influ. I was the one that had the influence in his life. He came to me, and I was able to speak life into him and tell him about the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. He didn't go to his other buddies. He didn't go to the ones he was going to the bars with. He came to me, and he said, "Hey, I got a problem. Would you help me?" I want you to know that the world doesn't need another party buddy. Party buddies are a dime a dozen. What the world needs is a man of God. What the world needs is a woman of God. Someone that has set themselves apart from the things and the systems of this world. The world today needs people of integrity. It needs people that can be trusted, people that are above reproach. Your workplace needs it. Your church needs it. Your city needs it. Your spouse needs it. Your children need it. It's time as the people of God to quit playing games and become the light in the darkness that we're supposed to become. Integrity will cost your popularity with the world. It will cost you but it will increase your influence with people and it will open the door when the difficult life issues come up in their life and they will. 1 Peter 4 and verse 1. Watch this. It tells you right here what's going to happen if you choose the path of integrity. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you are finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God that's living to that higher standard. You have had enough of the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and their lust and their feasting and their drunkenness and their wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Now verse 4, watch this. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. That's the word of God. 
tells you what's going to happen. All of a sudden, your buddies are surprised. What in the world? You're different from where you used to be. You used to be a lot of fun. Now you got into all this Jesus stuff and you're different now. And so what they do is they slander you to their other buddies. That's a pretty big price to pay. I don't want to be slandered. I want to be liked. I want everybody to like me. But all of a sudden they're going to have a problem in their life. And they're going to come to the one that's different. Peter tells us the price we pay for integrity. This is why it's so hard. Now, having influence with people is one benefit to being set apart to live in a life of integrity but there's another one and this one's the most important to me this one has impacted my life more than any remember that picture we showed here earlier let's go and pop that back up god has something greater in store for you for those that choose to follow wisdom's call and become a person of integrity now watch this hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 some of you might remember this make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy there it is make every effort to be set apart make every effort to be set apart because without it without holiness without being set apart no one will see the lord now let's talk about that notice the word see the word see comes from a greek word that means to understand or experience So basically, if you're not set apart, you will not understand or experience God at the level you could. God tells us in his word that if we seek him, we will find him if we seek him with all of our heart. Well, how do we do that? Practically speaking, how does it, what does it look like to seek God with all of our heart? Because it's easy to say Now now watch this. This is truly remarkable. John chapter 14 and verse 19. Jesus tells us how to seek him with all of our heart. Here Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to his followers. And this is what he says. He said, before long, the world will not see me. There's that word see. See me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he's the one that loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and I will, now watch this, I will show myself to them. Now, this is interesting. Remember the word see means to understand or experience. Jesus is telling his disciples, before long, the world is no longer going to see me. Now, why is that? Well, he's getting ready for the cross. He's getting ready to die. He's preparing to die for all the sin of all mankind. But he looks at his followers and he tells them that they will continue to see him. Well, this kind of confuses the disciples, so one of them asks him a question, verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show, us, show yourself to us and not to the world? And to answer this, Jesus basically repeats what he just said, verse 23. He said, anyone who loves me, now listen to this, anyone who loves me, they'll do something. They'll obey my teaching. My father will love them. And we'll come to them and we'll make our home with them. Verse 24, anyone who does not love me. See, we can say that we love Jesus all day. 
Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Let me give you the simplified version of what Jesus just said to help you understand this better because it's so important. Jesus said, the proof that you love me is the fact that you obey my commands, period. Basically, it's not something you say. It's something you do. Your life is above reproach. You are a person of integrity. You are set apart from the world. Living your life in this manner is proof you love God. We don't do this for God's favor, but because we love Him. It's relationship. We want to serve Him. We want to please Him. He goes on to say, if you don't obey my commands, if you are not set apart from the world, then you really don't love me. Hard words. You can say that you do, but you don't love me. But he goes on. He says, listen, if you do love me, if you choose to set yourself apart for me, then I will show myself to you. You will see me. Do you understand what he's saying? Jesus is, his promise. Jesus is promising us that if we set ourselves apart, if we commit to being a person of integrity, he is telling us that he will show himself to us. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to have a greater anointing than others? This is why God does not play favorites. You set yourself apart, you will see him. You will understand, you will experience him in a greater way than you ever have before. That's called anointing. But it comes at a price. I guarantee you something. I've been doing this a long time. Every anointed man or woman of God has paid this price. It's the price of being set apart. It's the price of integrity. It's the price of living your life above reproach. But when you do, he, he in return, God in returns, gives you the better gift. He gives you the teddy bear that was hidden behind his back, so to speak. You receive a greater anointing. Here's more proof. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes. Some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared for any good work. So here Paul gives the illustration of a house. In a typical home, if you go to any, into anyone's home, you're going to find things that are created from different types of materials. In this case, it's gold and silver, wood and clay. But in your home, you may find these same type of materials. You might also find things made of glass, of plastic, of steel, etc. So pretty elementary so far. We know that when we go into a house, we see these, the house is made up of these different elements. But Paul goes on to say that of all the different things in our home, of all the different materials found in our home, that there are some things in our home that are for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Take, for instance, the toilet. Dishonorable. In other words, there are things in our home that are set apart for special 
use. They're not brought out ordinarily. For, some, for instance, I, I use the example of fine china. Some of you have fine china stored in your cupboards. You don't bring it out for every meal. However, someone comes over to the house, you have a nice dinner, out comes the fine china. You're, you're using it for a special purpose. If I would come over to your house, I'm just certain that the fine china would probably come out. Actually, it'd probably be paper plates. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, ladies, you have a certain dress that you only put on for certain occasions. Or men, you have a certain suit that you only put on for special occasions. Those, those materials are set apart for something special. Being set apart doesn't mean it has to be expensive. It could, be very, it could, it could cost a very small amount of money. It just simply means it's separated for designated use. It's special. The same is true, now here's where it, here's where it comes together, the same is true of this house of the church of God's church. If you look around, you'll see all kinds of different people. We all look different. We all act different. We're all different. That's how God created us. So just like you have different materials that make up your home, there are different material, materials or people that make up God's church. Now here's where it gets good. Look at verse 21 again. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, those who are set apart, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared for any good work. If Paul were in here today, he would look at me and he would say, Matt, if you make the choice personally to separate yourself from the world, if you choose the path of integrity, if you make the choice to obey God's word, you will become a vessel in the hands of Almighty God set apart for a special work. Not common use, but a special work. You will be useful to the master, ready for every good work. And I don't know about you, but I don't just want God to use me for common use. I want him to use me for something special. And the beauty of this is the fact that I get to choose. You get to choose. It's your choice because God does not play favorites. You see, when I, sep when I step myself out from the crowd and I separate myself and I, I become distant from the world, when I walk in integrity, it's at that moment I become useful to the master. God begins to reveal himself to me in a greater way than in turn your anointing increases. I hope you're getting this. I'm going to ask Sam to come back up at this time. People with integrity walk safely, but those who take crooked paths will be found out. Will be, will be exposed. You see, the path of integrity not only increases your influence and anointing, but, it, but, it also, but you'll also live your life in peace. It says you'll walk safely. And for some of this, man, this, this is a game changer right here. You want to know why you walk safely? Because you have nothing to hide. Let people dig. Let them try to get dirt. There's nothing there. You have nothing to hide when you walk in integrity. There's nothing to cover up. It's just full exposure. But here's the thing. You can only walk the crooked path for so long before you're exposed. Because to keep something hidden 
Oftentimes we have to lie. We have to cheat. We have to keep digging and the hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So then you start living with anxiety and fear of being caught as you try to continually cover this, this hornet's nest up that you've, that you've opened. How many times have you heard someone say, after they got exposed in their sin and they're now paying the price, how many times have they said, I'm so glad it's over because I finally have peace? Some of you have been digging and digging and digging, trying to cover up the crooked path you're walking on. And I want you to know that God's just simply saying to you today, my child, get off that road. Just pursue a life of integrity and I'll set you free. Get off the road. It's as simple as that. I don't want to be exposed. Well, the only way you're going to experience peace is if you just, if you just get it out. So maybe you need to confess something. I don't... I don't know, whatever God's, whatever's in your life, God works on it, all of us differently. We all have different things. Living a life of integrity is not easy, but I hope you see now the benefits of this far outweigh the cost. There's a lot of friends we don't have because we've chose this path of integrity. It's just the way it is. But we're also there for them if they ever need us to talk about what's truly important, and that's eternity. But Jesus said, you set yourself apart. You will see me. You will see me. Some of you have never experienced God on that level. But I'm telling you, once you do, you'll never go back to the crooked path. You'll never go back to the crooked path once you experience God on that level. Trust me. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God, we want to thank you for your word. Your word challenges us. And I know, God, today that we've got people in this room that are challenged. I know when I first heard the truth of integrity, God, I was challenged as well. There's so many things in our life that we've got hidden. We're hiding from a loved one. We're hiding from other people in our life. And because of that, we've held ourselves in bondage. Today, God, it is my prayer that people would see the truth from your word and they would decide when they leave this place, I'm going to get off the crooked path. I'm going to get off the crooked path. God, I need your help. I turn to you. I give this to you. I commit today on, I want to live my life with integrity. I want to be set apart because, God, I want to see you. So, Father, I just pray that that is our prayer today when we leave this place. God, every one of us in this room, we're in a different area of life. So Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you speak to each one individually right where they're at. God, that you would encourage those that are walking with integrity today, that are living their life above reproach, that are loving on people, God, that you would encourage them through this word today to keep going and keep going strong. God, those that are on that crooked path, God, that you would... Just convict them. You don't condemn, but you do convict and show us where, we're, where we, we are in error. And so, God, I just pray that today. Because I want them off the crooked path. It leads to destruction. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for it challenging us and setting us free in Jesus' name. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I never like to close a message without giving you a chance to get your life right with God.